Welcome to Pop Culture Roulette. For all your pop culture needs, we're America's Podcast. All right, everybody. Welcome. I am once again uh, without Justin and Jeremy. Um, they're watching a Packer game, which uh, they've deemed more important. And well, quite honestly, it probably is. But anyway, I have um, had a good time with Nick last week. So this week, I'm going to bring in another guy from the game show, Tim. Tim, hey, buddy. How's it, so how's it going, Tim? Tim Sternberg. Yes, that's right. What's up, Nicholas? How from, are you, my friend? From We Are Family. But not only that, you've you've had a very interesting life. You've done uh, a number of game shows. Let's let's start with one of them. Uh, let's go. Who wants to be a millionaire? Okay. You were on Who Wants to Be a Millionaire with the original run, with Regis Philbin, the primetime lineup, not the not the you know the syndicated Meredith with Meredith Vieira. So you were yeah. on. And oddly enough, through, I mean, I know it wasn't the way you originally planned on filming because nobody could have. It was the last episode that aired before September 11th, which yeah. is kind of a downer, but we'll not talk about that. Let's go. Let's go back to the fun part. You were on Who Wants to Be a Millionaire. How did that happen? Oh, my goodness. Um, unbelievably, you know, being a pop culture fan, I've always been a fan of game shows, watched game shows, played um, at home on the couch like most of us do my entire life. And um, when Who Wants to Be a Millionaire started becoming this pop culture juggernaut that it was, you know, you saw John Carpenter in November of 2000 go for the million dollars i was like wow or november 99 whenever that was i was like wow i really want to try to get on the show so for a number of months and months and months i'm trying what they called they deemed the phone game back then and basically what it was is the end at the end of every episode of who wants to be a millionaire we just gave out a phone number and said call this number and play a phone game and it was literally pop culture on the phone and those who got it fastest to cor- most correct would go into a pool to be called the next day to fly out to New York. It was a very quick turnaround for the show. And, you know, I tried. I mean, I tried and I tried and I tried. It was very difficult to compete with that. And so fast forward a little bit in the summer of 2000, no, in the spring of 2001, um, the casting uh, and ABC decided they were going to start auditioning people, not just doing the phone game. So they started doing uh, alternating episodes. One episode was contestants from the phone game. The next episode was audition contestants. So I went, I went down to Miami uh, to my local television station. I took a test. It was pretty difficult, pop culture test. Passed the test and then went and did an audition. I flat flatted out, terrible audition for me. Um, I was bombed out, etc. I knew I, I, I knew I bombed it. Um, and I heard that they were going to go to Savannah, which Savannah, Georgia, and not too far from South Florida. Um, I hopped in a plane. My, my um, uncle was working for American Airlines at the time. He had these passes. Hopped in a plane with my wife, went to Savannah just for the day, went to the hotel where they were auditioning, took the test again, different tests, and um, killed it. I mean, I passed it, you know, the, the audition. I felt really, really good 
about a month later, I get a postcard that says, congratulations, you're in the pool for who wants to be a millionaire. That was like in June of 2001. And then in July of 2001, July, second week in July, I went a trip to the Planet of the Apes premiere. You know, that was the original reboot that they did. Oh, yeah. And um, the one we don't uh, want to talk about. Yes, exactly. It was not a good movie. Um, but I, you know, want to trip through my local newspaper. So I was already in New York. And that week I get a call from the people who wants to be a millionaire. We want to fly you to New York. I'm like, well, I'm going to be in New York. So I worked it out where I extended my air. And there I was. I went to a movie premiere, saw Regis Philbin there. And the next, like, two days later, I'm in the studio with him filming this episode of Who Wants to Be a Millionaire. So, yeah, it was just a ride. It was unbelievably exciting. <laughs> no, I mean, that. I mean, you got to actually do that. that was, I always wanted to do that show, but I never took the time to actually play the phone game or follow through on any of the, the uh, interview or the trying to do the audition stuff. But you just said something that reminded me of, so when we were down in Atlanta filming We Are Family, you you had a chance to tell me about a number of things. Um, you might be one of the luckiest people I've ever met, <laughs> if not one of the luckiest people on the planet. Um, how many contest ballpark number would you say you've won? Ooh, I've never see your good host. I've never had anyone ask me that question. I would say in the hundreds, maybe two to three hundred big prizes, I will say. And that's not counting like your T-shirts and your, you know, your kind of your, your, your little swag stuff that you would win. Yeah, see. Um, about a hundred trips. A hundred trips. Good <laughs> Lord. I have never won a trip or, I mean, I mean, I've barely won anything. Like I, I struggle just to win the, like a scratch off, like five bucks off of that. Um, you have won a trip to the Oscars. Yes. Um, they actually did a broadcast of my wife and I as we you know, went to the red carpet. They did a whole piece and it included first class airfare. You know, they the whole spa day thing. It was it was that was the year Titanic was the best picture uh, winner. <laughs> um, I like to put time perspective into things. Okay, yeah, wrong, wrong <laughs> <Pop> picture. Culturally. <laughs> wrong picture won that year. But anyway. Goodwill uh, Hunting was nominated. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I can't tell you the amount of times I've entered to win tickets to the World Series or the All-Star Game or the Super Bowl or probably the Oscars. Um, you've actually won them uh, for the yeah. Oscars anyway. You and the Super Bowl. And, and uh, okay. So Super Bowl 33. Which one was that one? Thirty. That was the one in Miami. Joe oh, Robbie. Well, okay. at the time it was Joe Robbie Stadium. Kiss did the, yeah, opening. Oh, okay. Well, so <laughs> that was Denver versus Atlanta. That was mm. that Super Bowl. Oh, yeah, that's Elway's last Bowl. game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, you also won. Uh, Paul, you won. You got to have lunch with Paul Abdul. Yes, that was through um, an energy drink uh, local radio contest. Yeah, and I got to work out with her too, which was interesting. <laughs> She's a cool, cool, cool lady. When when did you win the when did you win the thing with Paul Abdul? Like, was that at her height in the nineties or no? Or... Okay. It was in between. So you're talking like ninety eight, maybe that was, and so that was after her hype in the nineties and before American Idol oh, okay. really took off. So kind of that middle period. All right. <laughs> Um, and uh, one of the more interesting things that you told me that you won was that uh, you got to play basketball with Alonzo Mourning. Yes. Um, <laughs> I tried to play basketball with Alonzo. I mean, let's just, let's just, uh, 
Put it, putting it mildly, I don't think you stood a chance against Alonzo no. Mourning. Um, even, I've, even in your I've, younger, even in your younger days, I'm guessing. Yeah. As a matter of, of fact, this dude on my TikTok when I posted that, he goes, "That has to be some of the worst playing basketball skills I've ever seen." And I'm like, "Dude, you missed the point of the video." <laughs> Yeah, I mean, you know, because uh, yeah, no, that that was, I mean, how and how you so what you've won trips all around the world, then? Yeah, Easter Island, Taiwan, um, Amsterdam, London, Paris, um, yeah, Jamaica, almost all over the Caribbean. Yeah, <laughs> all over the country too. Chicago, we went to see Destiny's Child and Kanye West at the House of Blues with Pepsi. Um, I mean, it's some of the craziest stuff <laughs> we've done. Some really cool stuff, for sure. Yeah, yeah. That's Pro Bowl I'm... in Hawaii. That was another big one. I mean, listen, I won't watch the Pro Bowl, but if someone was to fly me out and give me exactly. tickets to it, maybe, maybe I'd, uh, I'd want you know. But like, if they're listen, like, oh, you, you want, can, you want to send me to Hawaii any day. <laughs> Yeah, I'll tell you, I've never been to Hawaii, so, you know, if, if I want to go to, if I want to take, well, they don't do the Pro Bowl in Hawaii anymore, but, you know. No, bummer. Yeah. Which is, which is, I'm sure, as players, they're, like, even even less interested in going to the Pro Bowl. They've done it a couple of times in South Florida, and I'll be honest with you, I haven't gone to see it. I have no desire. <laughs> I have gone to the All-Star game for baseball. You know I'm a big baseball fan. Oh, yeah. I, um, <laughs> when, the last time the All-Star game was in Anaheim um my dad was like we're gonna go because my dad my dad and i are giant angel fans yeah, and it I know was that. it was right after the the um, the woman who's now my wife and i had just started dating and we were getting pretty serious so my dad flew me and her out to meet him and my mom out in california what they flew from dc we flew from milwaukee and and we spent a couple days just driving around California, we saw the All Star Game. We, I mean, it was a good time, but we Went had to, to pay for it. Uh, no, we didn't. We yeah. we drove to like Disneyland, like the outside part. Where I you, love like, it, the, that area, the the mall area that you can get into for free. Mm-hmm. But we didn't. Yep. We didn't have time or, or really enough left at that point to to go to Disneyland. But we didn't. We had to pay for those tickets. We uh, we didn't win them. So you know, we uh, <laughs> unlike you, who probably would have just won. Uh, well, I did. I actually, when when they all started in 2017, when it was down here in Miami, I did pay for those tickets. <laughs> so I, I do pay for some things. Oh, okay. All right. Well, you know. Um, so, well, back to who wants to be a mainer a little bit. What okay. you, you, uh, what was the, when you cat, because you, you didn't win the million. No. But you would, you. We would you, have a be different conversation. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> Well, not a lot of people did win the million on that show, but um, no, I mean that that getting to what level you got? What level did you get to? I can't remember. So I was on a thirty-two thousand dollar question, and I already had in my bank sixteen thousand dollars. So I had the choice of guessing right or wrong, and if I was wrong, if I was right, I would get thirty-two thousand dollars. If I was wrong, I would have lost fifteen thousand dollars. So it would have been the net gain of a thousand if I guessed. It did not make sense 
statistically for me if I didn't know the answer to the question or was even close. And it was a geography question. It was which one of these countries lies south of China in the South China Sea. And this is before uh, college and whatnot. I, I'm still even, I'm a history major. I'm still not great with geography. It's a weak point of mine. And the answer was the Philippines of the four choices. But yeah. Yeah, I'm not saying. <laughs> um, I wasn't saying... upset. <laughs> I'm not saying I, I wouldn't happy. have made the uh, the same choice if I if I was in that shoes, losing losing fifteen grand over you know. I can't yeah. do that. Yeah, yeah. I wasn't if, gonna do it. <laughs> if if I knew for certain, or was like, oh, if I know, knew for certain, I would have guessed. Or if I was, if I was, uh, you know, hedging my bets, like if I was like, I'm really close, but you know, maybe I would have, but you know. But well, still, if you let's... rewind that tape, right? So when I got to the sixteen thousand, that sixteen thousand was, um, who's a father of explorer leif erickson i was kind of sure but i used a 50 50 and i was kind of still sure and i was like i just went for it and said you know um eric the red and you know so i you know it it, it was a calculated guess but once i got up to that level it was like no way <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's that's a lot to walk away from you know definitely Man, I just every time we talk about how many contests you've won, you surprise me with another one. I won four cars too. <laughs> I could use a car right now. But, I could oh. too. My car right now has ninety two thousand miles. So when when you win one of these cars, do you do you actually get the car, or do they let you just like you got to go to like a dealership, or they just like show up at your house with a car? or so there are four different scenarios in which I won a car. The first one I did, I did a key turn at the Daytona 500. So I won a trip to the Daytona 500 or I'm on the infield and <laughs> to turn the key. And uh, that was a tragic day. Um, that was actually the day that um, Gallagher Earnhardt Ooh. passed away. Um, yeah, that was 2001's Daytona 500. And, um, oh, yeah. Talk about going from a high to a low that year, you know, with millionaire and what happened, it's just, it was a lot. Um, but you know, I was on the infield and I ended up getting a cash alternative for that. Um, they gave me $20,000. <laughs> so it was a hard tax year because that was the same year as millionaire. Mm. Um, and then I won a car, uh, through when Dixie's South Florida supermarket, Southern supermarket chain, um, a Pontiac Grand Prix, and they actually had the car, so I took possession of the car and I drove that one for a while. That was my car. Um, I won a Ford Escape, which I ended up selling to a friend of mine for cash. And then the last car I won was a stick shift, and I don't drive stick. I need to learn eventually, but it was a GMC Sierra pickup truck, and I ended up selling that to CarMax. But uh, yeah. So yeah, I got money. I, I mean, cashed out. <laughs> they weren't all the same year. It's within four years of each other. Those cars. Two of the cars were close. The the Aztec, uh, the um, Aztec, and the um, Ford Escape were pretty close to each other. Man, I just <laughs> like I said. I, I mean, I've <laughs> I've I've played the lottery where, like, you know, like for like the you know the Mega Millions or the Powerball. When I've not even matched a number, I, which I feel is harder to do. Like, y'all buy like four or five tickets and yeah. not match a number, let alone, you know, and here you are winning four cars. Um, <laughs> it's very hard. <laughs> it's harder to win the lottery for sure. You know well, what it yeah, is? Obviously, but yeah. And Char our friend Charlie will agree with this. It's all about statistics. So I look at statistics. So many of the contests I've won have been only open to the residents of my state. And so it's all about, you know, making you know the most out of the lower pool of people that you're playing against. And that's okay. kind of how I 
I hedge my bets with sweepstakes. That's kind of how I won them. So there's I'm giving a, out my secrets. Oh, yeah. <laughs> All right. So this one secret is look at to see who who can, who can actually enter the eligibility and the rules. Okay. Yes. All right. There's because I was about to ask you what's what there's there's got to be some sort of secret to it because I mean it's not like I haven't entered contests before like you know. I mean, the closest thing I ever, the closest I've ever come to actually like hearing back from anything that I've done was We Are Family. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that was a great experience. I mean, so I viewed, I viewed that as like a win, you know, just, well, we can talk about that after, but yeah. Yeah. But, uh, (laughs) um, but before you were on Who Wants to Be a Millionaire, if, if I've got the timeline right, you were on Wheel of Fortune after. Uh, okay it was after yeah oh, yeah okay. that was, millionaire was the first game show i was on oh okay technically right. i did some game show network stuff um like through the phone like they used to have a phone game and i've won like furniture and stuff like that i did a hollywood square secret square sweepstakes where i won seventeen thousand dollars worth of prizes um but officially on camera as a contestant wheel of fortune was number two <laughs> okay all right pat sajak is cool in person as he seems absolutely absolutely really cool guy nice guy um banna white came into the holding room at the beginning of the day she was in her street clothes she turns to us and she says you guys got this and i was like oh this nice lady is saying we got it and i didn't recognize her because she was in her street clothes and uh, and someone says oh my god that's banna white and we're all like oh you know so yeah so sweet she really is the person that she is on tv she was like that with us contestants too well that's good it's always good to hear that because you know you hear you hear stories about other particular individuals, and you're just like, oh, that's disappointing. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I've never had a bad game show experience ever. Um, you were also on One Versus One Hundred. I was. Okay, that was an interesting. It wasn't a bad experience. It was an interesting experience. Now, if memory serves, with One Versus One Hundred, there was the one contestant, and then there was the pool of a hundred people. The mob. The mob. We were the mob. Okay. Yes. And then it just it like as as the round went on, the mob got smaller and smaller and smaller. How far did you make it as as the mob? Not far. Okay. And so unlike, well, I can say this: uh, for one versus a hundred, you went in. It was a big cattle call, lots and lots of people. Because what happened was, once you were eliminated from the mob, bye bye, you're gone. That's it. And most people only were on one episode and it was like, that's it. And so I was only on, it was number 56. It was a blip that we all had numbers in front of us. We weren't even identified unless Bob Saget talked to us. And that was it. We were gone. So I flew to LA and it was basically a one, two, three, boom. (laughs) Mm, Okay. Yeah. I I could see that being a little bit more of a a different experience. But it was fun. I don't, it's still experience, you know? um, Because one versus 100 was it was a show that i watched but not as religiously as other shows or definitely not as much as who wants to be a millionaire hence why it didn't stay on the air that long <laughs> but one versus 100 after its afterlife was much more interesting because it moved from being and i think it was a much better version of who wants to of one versus 100 when yes, it moved to X, when it moved to xbox live Oh, Xbox Live. That's right. Yes. Uh, it moved to Xbox Live. And then so like you could get into the mob like countless numbers of times over and over again. And occasionally they, you would just you'd enter in the lobby and then like you'd be in the mob or you'd be the one or like you just get to be. And it was just always interactive. And I guess technically I did win some Xbox points here or there. 
but, there you go. but you know, like, so I guess I did win something once, but, but I, <laughs> it was, it was something like my, I would actually like it when it was on and it was, unfortunately it wasn't on very long, but I would go out of my way to like try to schedule my evenings around being home to play one versus 100 on the Xbox. Cause it was, it was a lot of fun and you actually got to like interact with it and be involved where I think the concept for TV is just, it was too convoluted and just whatever, you know, that it just, it didn't, it, I think it. And it felt that way in person too, you know, even before it aired, you know? So I think when it moved and, and unfortunately Xbox didn't keep it going for very long, but you know, I think it did a much better job in that world. I think it would I think it would be even successful now if Xbox was to bring it back or, or some sort of streaming, you know, service to your, where to your point, I think we're missing that, right? So we're in the streaming age right now with TikTok and whatnot. We're missing that interactivity that Xbox I, I think they you know, manufacturers should hear this. I think to have an engaging, I mean, it's great to play Madden and sports on these platforms, but to have like a trivia engaging experience would be so good for these providers that are streamers and whatnot. And that's, you know, that's kind of why I'm starting to do what I'm doing, you know? Yeah. I mean, it, it, it would, you know, having, I mean, we live in a world where being able to do stuff with the game show past just what they currently do. And I'm not saying what they're currently doing is bad or wrong. I just think that we, we live in a world where I'm surprised that a streamer hasn't picked up the idea of doing something where they, they can, where they don't have to spend any money flying 115 people down to a city and putting them up in a hotel for two and a half weeks you could do a lot with contestants at home. So I'm doing, you know, I'm doing this TikTok show that I'm doing in trivia chat uh, every other night. And I think the goal, one of the goals for me to doing that is to kind of enlighten, and there's other trivia creators on TikTok now. There's other great creators. I think to, to raise awareness of that so that maybe the platform itself, like TikTok or any other like uh, Instagram or whatnot that has a live element to it, will do something with that. And it's not just, I mean, I love, you know, obviously we were participants in a game show in a studio, which is awesome and still great, but to have an interactive play along element or something like that with that is a, I think a missed opportunity right now that could really make money. (laughs) And I mean, like, like, you know, Peacock or Disney or, or some of the other, you know, they have, they've found things that work and like Disney's really kind of going, and trying some of like the live events and like they showed the Elton John co- concert and, and they've done some Green other day. stuff. Yeah. Amazon they, day, Green Day. Yeah. And, and yeah, I couldn't imagine Disney trying to do Green Day. Um, <laughs> yeah, true. <laughs> um, risky enough doing Elton John, but, uh, <laughs> true. uh, but you know, I, there are, I think there are opportunities and I think as, as, since we're still in the nascent days of streaming, you know, like I know it's been around for a couple of years now, but I think think that streamers and, and networks or studios are still trying to figure it out because, I mean, we went from having Netflix and Hulu to everybody has to have their own. And now we're mm-hmm. seeing them kind of whittle themselves back down, you know? Yeah. You know, so, uh, Paramount's buying some, Peacock's buying some, Max is buying some, like Discovery Plus doesn't, I don't even know if it exists anymore because it's now all under the max umbrella and it's easy. I mean, it, it, 
how many how many subscriptions i mean i, I have how do you I keep have, track of your subscriptions because it's crazy. i have way too many and i <laughs> barely remember peacock and all that you know like it's and and there'll be times when when jess and i will be sitting around going wait what are we watching like wait what show what network what streamer was that on what uh uh yeah just and not only that all the bills are due at like different times so oh, she <laughs> she has it's, a, she has a spreadsheet. spreadsheet. She <laughs> takes care of the bills, so she that's not that's not my that's her domain. Um, you know, I fix stuff. That she just pays for it. Um, <laughs> you are the engine. You, you are the uh, what did you call yourself? Uh, you're you're a mechanic, right? Yeah, I'm a mechanic. Yeah, I, I, yeah. Well, you're well, not an engineer. You said no. I'm not because I called you an engineer. I remember that. No, engine engineers are annoying. Um, and you know, I'm we had not, many conversations about. I am this. not. Not apologizing to my engineer friends. You know who you are, and you know why I don't like you. Um, <laughs> All love to engineers. We love engineers. Oh, <laughs> uh, just I mean, work on a machine, and you'll be like, oh no, you don't like engineers because they clearly don't have they they build them. They don't they torture have to, you with what you they, have to do to fix it. They build them. They don't care about what I have to do to fix them. That's for exactly. Sure. All right. Um. So you obviously are very active on TikTok. I. Finally broke down and downloaded TikTok. I saw I saw you in my show briefly. I did, day. and I was planning on spending much more time. <laughs> I called there. you out. <laughs> yeah, and I was gonna do something, but then um, I had to leave the room, so I had it's to put okay. the phone. I'm I'm trying. I just I I can't bring myself to use TikTok, and I know I need to because everybody tells me that that is a better way of promoting. Just everything. Take these video clips and and you know make a little snippet and. Listen, it took me long <laughs> enough to learn how to edit this thing, let alone figure out how to start editing video. Oh. Okay, fair enough. <laughs> Just, let's, let's, let's learn one skill at a time, all right? I'm 52 on TikTok, so what can I tell you? <laughs> where, where, so what, what do you do? You do, you call yourself trivia chat on TikTok? Yeah. And so then, I do a nightly, uh, every, uh, by uh, every other night. It was nightly, but I changed the schedule okay. recently. What's, uh, so for what... tomorrow night, for example, we're doing Trivial Pursuit. So okay. we'll play Trivial for last time it took an hour and 45 minutes. Hopefully it's a little quicker. Um, tonight we did classic rock, name that tune. So I played classic rock songs and the audience just guesses. People just love to compete and have fun. We chat with each other. It's really a social thing, you know, like going to, remember we went to Bar Trivia. Oh yeah, Bar, Tri- Bar like Trivia that. is great. We yeah. had a great time doing that in Atlanta. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> Yeah, the the guys and I have done that at least once, if not uh, once for sure. We maybe twice, but it's just it's so hard to get all three of us in the same room anymore um, because we don't live all right next to each other. You know, so it, it's it is what it is, and you know, I mean, life just gets in the way sometimes, and it does. You know, but that's uh, why you have to grab it when you can, right? Yeah, absolutely. But uh, I mean, that's not to say that the three of us don't have a good time, but it's just, you know, it's not as easy to get together and do, you know, um, do things. Called, called getting older. <laughs> yeah, having job responsibilities. <laughs> responsible, adulting. <laughs> yeah. And and this is obviously also a really bad time of season to, to be trying to get together. And I mean, it's a good time to, to want to do it, but it's. You know, I, I, my calendar for the month is is relatively full already, and I barely had a chance to go. Wait, wait, what? Like, 
Yeah. Never mind the fact that you were in Atlanta for two and a half weeks. <laughs> Which is a fact that I still hear about. So what feeds you, like, creatively, spiritually, mentally? Uh, because I know that you have, on top of, you know, having a lot of fun doing your trivia and your, your pop culture stuff, you have a, a what I would think a very mentally demanding job. Yeah, um, it definitely is. Which is um, it's a which, stressful job. <laughs> which, yeah, yeah. So, uh, do you do you want to talk about that briefly? Yeah. Or? Okay. Of yeah. So, what is it? What is, I mean, what do you do for a living, and then what feeds you? Sure, absolutely. It's kind of one and the same in a way. Um, so, I've been an educator for a long time. Um, I basically now I work as an education advocate, so I advocate for students with special needs. So, basically, I work with the parents of students and the schools to help bridge the education gap. Most of my students are on special education or on an IEP, and I'm working to collaborate, to be realistic, bring realistic expectations to both the parents and also the school. And, you know, after the pandemic, there's been a real gap um, in kind of connecting, you know, school and home. I mean, it, it existed beforehand, but it's more pronounced. And most of my work, honestly, is pro bono. I work with a lot of um, um, families of marginalized kids, so families that don't necessarily have the you know, are, are struggling socioeconomically, don't have the support to pay for me. So I make my living through selling collectibles. Uh, I've sold collectibles on eBay. You know, I've done odds and ends because what feeds me to answer your question is really advocating for kids, advocating for kids that don't normally have an advocate. Um, I grew up without that type of advocacy. My parents tried as much as they can, but they didn't understand um and so it was and i had really bad experiences in k-12 so my goal is really to have other humans not have that bad experience and so that's what feeds me is is really driven by helping kids that normally wouldn't be able to get that help okay that's that's very admirable work and we definitely definitely need more people doing stuff like that so now, now to talk about some stuff that's a little less real. Um, <laughs> bring bring the I show love back that up. Transition. Uh, yeah. no, there's no there's no happy, way happy. to transition. There's no way to transition out of that. Normally, you know, nor- normally I try to find segues, but man, I got nothing for that. Um, no. <laughs> so all right, if you and hey, that's I mean that's okay. I mean that's I mean sometimes we try to get real on the show, and it, it's case it's nice to know that like. That's- there are there's people a real that, person. There, there's there's real things behind it. It's not just, you know, wanting to have fun and do everything. You know, there there is more to life than just, you know TikTok. what do you what do you prefer, Marvel or DC? Exactly. Well, Marvel, but that's another story. <laughs> I love Marvel. I've always been a Marvel kid. Spider Man was one of my favorite superheroes. Was that a did you you were asking me that question? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'm yeah. gonna answer it. Yeah, I love Marvel. You know, Super Spider Man, uh, Silver Surfer, Fantastic Four, Incredible Hulk. Uh, yeah, I still actually have my Marvel comic books, all of them, um, in a closet at home. I, I remember getting Todd McFarlane's first episode, first books of Amazing Spider Man. I think it was like two ninety eight, and then he had that big three hundred. I still have that in mint condition. I saw recently what the values are and I was like tempting <laughs> but I can't. <laughs> I can't I can't sell yeah. them. <laughs> I don't I don't have any any of the books I had from when I was younger. So but I you know I have all the stuff that because I got back into it 
Well, let's see, around the time, so like 20, like 2008, 2009, I got back into it for a few years. So I got a lot of, the stuff I have is probably not worth anything. Maybe one day, like one of the issues will be because, you know, like a random character got introduced that becomes massive in a movie or or something. But I don't know how much I'd want to sell any of it. You know, like it's all, like it's stuff that I wanted. Like I don't, I didn't buy the comics to collect them to sell them. I bought them because I wanted to read them. Um, well, that that was a very interesting. By the way, it was a very interesting period of Amazing Spider-Man because Deadpool's first issue was around that period of time too. Yes, and it's just really, really valuable. I didn't know. I was just buying comic books. <laughs> I yeah, used to buy yeah. two copies: one to read and one to put away. Well, uh, like and, and many, see that many... in the early mid '90s when that was happening, when Todd McFarlane was taking over and Jim Lee was doing what he was doing, what you had is you had a lot of people who were getting into comic books because they were, you know, they're fun and they're cool. They're, you know, they are what they are, but you started to see the collector's market happen in the Mm -hmm. late eighties, early nineties, where a lot of the stuff from the fifties and the sixties now all of a sudden was valuable. And it was valuable because Captain America was his own worst enemy. Yes. Because Captain America in his comic books was like, Hey, paper rationing. Like, so when you're done with a book, throw it you know paper ration you know right. and so those that survived like my grandmother decided that my father didn't need his comic books or his baseball cards anymore and she threw them all out and they didn't put them in poly protectors with no, you know, the no. cardboard backing and, so so <laughs> finding so finding you know uh, detective comics number one is hard Yes. No. Although so, I had a copy in my hand, my my wife's father, late father, once gave it showed me, and he's like, "Is this valuable?" I'm like, "Yeah." <laughs> right. I, was, I couldn't believe I was holding it. <laughs> which is why, which is why, like you know, the the first uh, the first Superman comics are so valuable, even in terrible condition. Lifting the, lifting the car, or the yeah, bus or whatever. Even if they're yeah. in terrible condition, because there's not many of them. Yeah. No. Yeah. Um. However. When that bubble started to to build in the late 80s, early 90s, Marvel and DC artificially inflated it by putting out, instead of putting out like a 1,000 run or a 2,000 run, but they put a 10,000 run or a 20,000 run. And we had a lot of people like yourself and, and you know other people not only buying one copy, two copies, buying three or four copies because they're like, oh, Spider-Man number one, <laughs> which wasn't technically Spider-Man number one. It was you know, Spider-Man 400 or whatever it was, they just renumbered it. And so like, like my friend Craig, who used to own a comic book store was like the death of Superman would walk in his door every other week because some mom would find a a poly bag version. And he's like, it doesn't, (laughs) it's barely worth what it was sold. And they made it into a graphic novel too. So it was like, it was was barely, it's barely worth what it's printed on because he, he can, he can find it easily. Like it's not hard to find. So what happens is we have to find the ones that like introduce a character or didn't have the Mm -hmm. print run that a lot of these other ones had that, you know, become more valuable or you start getting into the independence of like, you know, uh, kick ass or or stuff that had lower print runs. Mm -hmm. But uh, yeah, I mean, there, there, that doesn't take away from the fact that like, X, Astonishing X Men number one, the when Chris Claremont in the you know the nineties. Oh yeah, Chris Claremont. Oh man, um, yeah. you know is not super valuable, and you know there's just 
Yeah, but the, but the market was valuable to us, right? Right. Yeah. I mean, but that's yeah. why like most of the books I have are valuable to me because exactly. I wanted them. They're not. You valuable. remember the moment when you were reading yeah. it as a kid? I know I do. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so I mean, that's why. Like, I think that's probably why Batman is my favorite character because I, he's the one that I read the most. I love Batman too. When I was a kid, you know, I but I prefer Marvel as well. Um but I just, you know, like Batman is still like, he is my number one because like that was my comic that I read. Um, and I'm sure it had something to do with the Adam West TV show. And oh, then, I love the Adam West TV show. And then show, definitely yeah. the, definitely the Michael Keaton movie. I mean, that was, oh yeah, that was, he one was of, the Batman, the first, the first movie. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, which is why it was so sad seeing that flash movie i didn't see it <laughs> oh it's so bad it's just... that's what i've heard <laughs> michael keaton but... was michael keaton was great and it was so awesome seeing him put the cowl back on but the rest of the movie was just such hot garbage yeah that's what i've heard isn't it kind of a ripoff i don't know the the plot so totally is it a ripoff on the spider-man idea where there are multiple universes or is that no that is? i mean oh, it's it... time travel it is time travel. It is. I mean, uh, it's uh, however many years ago, Fla uh, the Flash DC did a, a series called the Flashpoint Paradox, where yes. the Flash decides he can run fast enough to go back in time and save his mother from being. And murdered. I saw that on a TV version. Yes, Grant the, the Grant Gustin. Yeah, the Grant, Grant, and yeah. Grant Gustin, which I love. <laughs> the TV version did it so much better. A couple so of good. years ago, and then they <laughs> yeah. were like, "Well, let's try to redo it with this, you know, monster." Um, Grant Gustin was a great Flash. I don't know yes. why they didn't put him in the movie. But they, okay. they should have, but <laughs> um, but they. So there's this storyline, and it's not. I mean, Marvel and DC steal from each other all the time. Spider Man has the Spider Verse, and Flash has this, and I mean, DC has always had the Elseworlds, and Marvel's mm -hmm. always had the multiverse. I couldn't honestly tell you who came up with what first. I'm sure some, I'm sure there's some, you know, screaming basement. Someone dwelling, will claim it. <laughs> some, well, there's some screaming basement dwelling nerd right now yelling at me saying, you know, but you they're know. yelling at their phone, listening to this podcast. <laughs> going, he doesn't know. Well, you know send what? You then? Message. Send, <laughs> send, send me a message and be the first one to actually comment on the podcast. Um, Absolutely. <laughs> the Flashpoint paradox existed. They did a, they did the story on Flash, which honestly, they took the entire season, maybe even multiple seasons, to tell the story, where they tried to jam the entire story into like an hour and a half, two hour movie, like just over. I think it was like a two and a half. And that was a movie, full actually. season of the flash. If I right, remember that correctly. Was a full, and every episode was yeah. an hour. So you're like looking at like 20 something episodes. So you've got like 20. And, and they took the full season. Like right. it needed the full season. And, and the, the, the run itself was like a multiple year run. You know, it, it was, it did it, go over. It wasn't like just a four issue run or anything like it was. So it was, it was, um, it was just such a, it was a bad retelling of the story, which we had already seen better on TV. I'm, I'm even happier I didn't see it. <laughs> and then it got delayed like a year or so from where it was supposed to originally come out to when they finally released it. And somehow the graphics still looked like hot shit. Like it was just, <laughs> it was just, it was, it was like a steaming pile of garbage on screen. It was like, how do you spend that much you money? You not respect the fans, right? Yeah. Like, yeah. I mean, just, 
it was more like they were like, we're going to have all these so cool cameos. We're going to have Michael Keaton come back. We're going to do all these Superman. And I'm going to, do you mind if I ruin some stuff for you? Cause at this point, it's oh, no, like, I okay. Don't, I don't mind so the end of the movie, the end of the movie flash has <laughs> like, spoiler alert for everybody else. <laughs> oh, <laughs> listen, you've been listening to this show. You know, that spoilers happen. That's just, you know, yeah, and quite absolutely. honestly, it's been on max long enough that it's your fault. You haven't watched it. Um, <laughs> I love that. So at the end of the story, he's he keeps running back in time, trying to change one little thing to finally get it right and finally get it right. And he ends up creating, you know, like these infinite numbers of timeline and like Superman, like Superman doesn't exist in the world where Michael Keaton's Batman is. It's super. <laughs> it's Supergirl. Oh, so it's Sasha Kali is Supergirl. But How because confusing. well, because Superman never f- landed, his rocket got hit by an asteroid or or went off. It oh, just, so it, the baby died. Yeah, or... I don't know, it just never showed up or went to another planet. Who knows? They never <laughs> go into deep and. But Kara Danvers, you know, you know, or you know, Kara, um, she did, and so she ends up be, like the Russians had her. So they kind of even tried to do like the Red Sun storyline of superman by having her and it was just it was anyway they do a bunch of batman yeah they do a bunch of batman and superman cameos so like they they had george reeves they had uh christopher reeve they had they bring them back from the dead yes they brought them back from the dead uh the adam west they had they had a lot of them they they had now i want to see it because it's a hot mess (laughs) they had they had nick cage as superman really from because he was supposed to be Nick Cage in that one movie that never happened. Oh my god! Um, so That's the, crazy. I mean, the last couple minutes were like, oh my goodness, I can't believe they did it. Um, it, it was sounds also, like it could be a good idea. It was also kind of like terrifying at the same time because, like, you know that like Christopher Reeve and George Reeves and and Adam West like never actually signed off on it. It was maybe their families or yeah. Oh my goodness. Yeah. And it was, they were digital. Like they weren't like, they just didn't take like clips from the TV show. So they had the actor and they put their face over the actor with the voice. I yeah, And and most of it wasn't like Reeve even voice. It was just like an image. Yeah, it was, it was. eh. And that is so weird. (laughs) I finally saw that Nick Cage actually did, because originally it was being reported that Nick Cage never actually came in. They just got him to sign off on it. But he finally did come in and say, oh, yeah, he did go into the studio and and film, you know, a couple hours worth of stuff so that they could. But he said that they never told him what they were actually doing. Like Hmm. They told him one thing and then they did something else. So he's he's come out and said that he's not necessarily for it because. Like they kind of they kind of lied to him about what they were doing, and they you know they had a bunch of other, but they missed a bunch, and then the very end, uh, George Clooney showed up at like because they had Ben they had Ben Affleck and Michael Keaton, so they had two of the Batmans, and then at the very end, Michael Keaton Batman goes away because you're now in a different universe. Like, so the Val Kilmer Batman doesn't exist. No, the Val Kilmer one, they never, they don't acknowledge, but all the I other, mean, he can't. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, he can't do much. I right. mean, you know, and yeah, but they, they, you know, still it was, you know, it was, it was such a bizarre hot mess of a movie and the really cool cameos are the Michael Keaton just could not save that, that tragic, tragic mess of a movie. Yeah. 
But, How did it do in the box office? Uh, not well. Yeah. It was kind of a bomb. And I, you know, I mean, it did okay because I think a lot of people were like, oh, Michael Keaton. And then word of mouth got out that, like, it, it just, it wasn't. Mm. Yeah. Oh, God. <laughs> so, given all of that, who, who in history would you wedgie if you could wedgie anybody? <laughs> I love that. That question is so awesome. I will say, if I had to wedgie anybody annoying, and I know it can't be Hitler, because that would be the number one, of course, um, Napoleon Bonaparte. I mean, come on. Come on. Can anybody be just annoyingly annoying? <laughs> I. I haven't, Has anyone I, ever said Napoleon? No, no, you're the first. And hey, yo, uh, there you go, Napoleon. I mean, that would be humorous. I mean, it'd be interesting. Um, right. I'm all about the comedy. <laughs> I do. I do want to go see that movie, though. I have not had a chance to go see it yet. I have but, not either. So. <laughs> Napoleon would be fun, and there would be a reason for it. <laughs> oh yeah, why not? Just, I mean, he wasn't a nice guy. Yeah, I mean. <laughs> No, I mean, Nick said Jerry Jones, so, you know, hey, whatever. I heard that. Yeah, Yeah, I mean, mean, if anybody deserves it, it's him. I mean, why not Napoleon? (laughs) It's your question to answer how you want to answer it. Or uh, I would would also wedgie any owner of the New York Mets between 1986 and recently before Steve Cohen. So there you go. (laughs) Well, there you go. I mean. I can wedgie a lot of people. (laughs) Yeah. Um. All right. And on on that, in in a similar vein, that's a microphone. Don't do that. <laughs> Forget. Ozzy, can't want to eat the microphone. <laughs> she's jealous. Apparently, she she's a she big wants fan. to be on the podcast. She's a big fan of Napoleon. She doesn't want you wedging her. Apparently, oh, see, see. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Um. If you could live in any fictional world, any any fictional world. I mean, you know, whatever. Where would I live? Yeah, where would you live? Where would you? Where would you I would live go? with the Oompa Loompas and Willy Wonka's Chocolate Factory. Hey, all right, yeah. can't go I mean, wrong. Come on, chocolate fountains. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That, I would absolutely live with those Oompa Loompas. That would it, it does it does seem like a fun work environment. Or although our, poor Augustus Gloop got stuck in the tube, so you know. Well, you know, I mean, you know, and look, my TV got zapped. That is true, and you know. <laughs> Wonder. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Anyway. <laughs> anyway, uh, moving on. Moving, moving. You know? <laughs> yeah, I was say, I mean, you're not wrong. I mean, that's actually a good one. I hadn't thought about that one. We could talk uh, more about that after um March. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Uh so where where can we find you? What are your what are you what are your plug you know, plug plug your stuff. Plug your tell me where, sure. where we can find you, where you want people to hunt you down. <laughs> well, some people no 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 um and tiktok i'm trivia chat instagram trivia chat x i think it's called now trivia chat on uh, most most platforms trivia chat or facebook tim sternberg i'm not trivia chat on facebook <laughs> okay and uh that is just it's one word trivia chat yes okay all right well easy then easy enough if, right oh yeah easy enough sorry right, so um if you Want to find if you want to play some trivia, have have a good time. I recommend if you can actually do TikTok and and get yourself behind that, then recommend going for it. The couple minutes I was there, it did seem fun, but I'm going to start on Instagram too soon. So. Okay, all right. Um, <laughs> so if you uh, know that uh, as a grown adult that you have a podcast you need to promote and 
you just can't bring yourself to promote it on one of the bigger areas that you uh, should be promoting it on. Just uh, remember that stupid never walks alone. Comic books have been around for almost a century, and in the last two decades, we've finally gotten to see many of these characters brought to life in movies and on TV. On the Moving Panels podcast, we discuss movies and TV shows based on, inspired by, and adapted from the world of comic books. Join me and my guests as we discuss both the good and the bad from Marvel, DC, and even some of the lesser-known comic book companies. Learn what is and isn't from the comics, as well as our nerdy review of the movie or show. New episodes drop every Monday, and you can find us wherever you listen to podcasts. So join us for Moving Panels, and I'll see you on the other side of the page. Life moves pretty fast. If you don't stop and listen to an 80s flick flashback podcast once in a while... You could miss it. Do you love movies of a certain age? Do you miss the days of VHS tapes, VCRs, and the video rental stores? Does the thought of another 80s movie being remade seem inconceivable? My name is Tim Williams. I'm the creator and host of the 80s Flick Flashback Podcast. On each episode, I'm joined by guest co-host to discuss one of the many movies released in the 1980s. We share our first-time watch memories, our favorite scenes, and even learn some behind-the-scenes stories about the cast and crew along the way. New episodes are released every other Friday on your favorite podcasting platform. So make like a tree, get out of here, and go listen to an excellent episode of the 80s Flick Flashback Podcast. The ad is over. Go home. Go. Go.